0: Good tov everybody. Uh, today's daf, the penultimate daf is peitet, but we're a little behind. We pick up on at adbet, so we have to be focused and get moving. We'll pick up, we'll start with submission. Um, get musa, of course, we leave all the really juicy stuff at the very end, and we don't have any time to talk about it. We spend three prokim talking, talking about b'fanay nechta, funny nechtam, and we're going to have one Amut here talking about uh, compelling a husband to give a get. So let's take a look. Get musa al kasher, a get that is forced to be given. If it's forced by Jews, Jewish based, and it's kasher, But de'kochal and if the non-Jews are the one that compel it to be given. It's invalid. But the non-Jews can beat him up, and they beat him up and, tell the, and they say to him, do what the Jews say to you. Now, if you notice, the last word in this Mishnah, Vikasher, is in parentheses. It's not, it's not necessarily there. And Toto's actually raises a possible read of this Mishnah that it's not good if non-Jews force to get, even in a case where the non-Jews are telling the Jew to do what the Jewish in says. Um, but then uh, Tosus rejects that read uh, because he says, you know, it's not like the dayanim have to be the ones that beat the guy up. You know, you can get somebody else to do the dirty work for you. So, But it, it is a little bit ambiguous in the Mishnah. But nevertheless, Tosus reads and the simple read is uh, the, is that if they are just doing the dirty work for the Jewish in and the Jewish in is the one supervising it, then it is a good get. Okay? So now the says like this. Um, okay um, if a Jewish base enforces it and it is a justified case if it is a case where the law would mandate that the husband must give a get, then it's kasher however if a court forced it but they did not have a legitimate legal mandate to force it, then it is an invalid get, but it's problematic enough that it invalidates her for kahuna it has the re'ah ha get problem. So if the husband were to die afterwards, she would be not able to marry a kohen. However, if the non-Jews are the ones that compel a get, again, presuming here that they are doing it on their own, not just doing the work of a Jewish based in. if the non-Jews are the ones that compel it, Pasul, if it's a scenario where it would be legally mandated to give, then pasul posel. It's an invalid get because it wasn't done under the auspices of a Jewish based in, but it's enough of a problem that it invalidates her for kahunah. Shalok but if it's two problems, two degrees removed, it's done under the auspices of a non-Jewish court, and there's no legal mandate. In that case, Afi getting both. there's not even the whiff of a and it's not even a Kahuna problem. Okay, so what we have to unpack is, it seems that the only case that, is, that works, actually, and by the way, the problem here that's not really analyzed in this Gemara, with all the Gemara we're going to be doing, the Gemara never raises the legal question about how is it kosher if it's forced doesn't it have to be you know um, doesn't it have to be mere tsono doesn't it have to be of his own will of his own accord normally a forced transaction is invalid um, so one explanation and the Gemara actually deals in a couple of cases where somebody has a gun put to his head to enter and to engage in a particular transaction like to vizovin if somebody was strung up until he would sell something and the actual law is zine zine the sale is valid because even though you're being compelled the way that the Gemara says is we're often compelled to do things we're compelled because of poverty, we're compelled because of other circumstances. Whatever the background reasons are, at the end of the day, we want to do it. Um, now, Nevertheless, you could make a big difference between whether it's something that circumstances compel us or a guy's holding a gun to our head. The Gemara also has it also by marriage. Talua v'kidesh kidush of kidushin. You know, what's a shotgun wedding? Somebody holds a gun to a guy's head and says, marry my daughter. It's be the evidence kosher. So you could have just put this in that category. I mean, it's a strange halacha, but you could have just put this in that category. Rambam gives an additional reason why why this is kosher? Rambam says deep down you want to do what the to, you know, what the right thing to do is. It's just your yeter hara is getting in your way. So when we beat you up, we're just wearing down the yeter hara, okay? And we're freeing your true free will to do what is the right halachic thing to do, and then you're actually doing it of your own free will. Now there's an interesting question of why Rambam needed that extra reason. Why didn't he just put it in this classic category? Um, and some want to say because there might be an additional requirement by a get that it says you know the Rambam says in the beginning of his laws of Ketin that there are 10 criteria for a get and one of them is that it has to be so no of his own free will because it says ki matzabai er vastavar kritut so the post can asks or the why does he have to say that it's a special requirement by a get? All legal transactions have to be of your will. So they said, no, no, no. All legal transactions have to be of your das. You have to intend to do it. But there's a big difference between intending to do it and deep down wanting to do it. By a get... The Torah describes the scenario that you're motivated to do it. You want to. Not just you've agreed to, but you want to. So if so, maybe that's why the Rambam has to come up with his special reason here to say that deep down, not only do you agree to give the get, deep down you want to do the right thing, we're just sort of beating the Yitavara out of you. Anyway, that's a classic explanation of the Rambam. The reason it's also relevant for us is it explains why when it is not legally mandated, why it's invalid. Because the the justification of how we say this is truly your desire is linked to the fact that you have a halakhic a legal mandate to do it. If you don't have a legal mandate, it's invalid. Okay, so the only case that really is valid is you have a legal mandate and a Jewish based in is forcing it. Okay, if it's not a legal mandate and it's forced by a Jewish based in, it's a Re'ah Haget problem, but it's not really valid. But the Gemara now analyzes the case where the non-Jewish based in, the non-Jewish, like, it's not under non-Jewish auspices. So let's take a look but let's take a look so the money says like this okay Let's take a look at the non-Jewish case Either way you do it If non-Jews are A non-Jewish court Can force a get And that could be a legally binding get If forced by a non-Jewish court So let it be kosher If it's legally mandated And it's forced by a non-Jewish court And if they're not in a position It's not meaningful when they force a get Then let it be considered to be Just not even a re'ah haget Because it's just so completely removed from what a kosher get would be because it's being done by a non-Jewish forced by a non-Jewish court so what's this middle status at a non-Jewish court no. it's invalid but it still creates a kahuna problem so the Gemara says like this Amar of Mishersha, says there's Mesharsha Dvar Torah is a biblical matter. So, this is a wild idea. Actually, as a biblical matter, if there's a legal obligation to give a get, then even if it was forced under the auspices of a non Jewish court, nevertheless, it's valid, because ultimately that still is your legal obligation. Okay, umatam amru pasul. So, why do they say it's invalid when it's done through a non Jewish court? So, every woman not go ahead and hire a non-Jewish court to force her husband to give a get, and get her husband to give a get when it's not legally mandated, because the presumption is that maybe they'll be more able to be paid off than the Jewish court, you know, especially if it's a matter that only relates to, like, Jewish law or something like that, so therefore that's why they had to invalidate it, but in principle if it actually is legally mandated and it's done by a non-Jewish court in principle it's actually good, which is a wild idea so the Gemara says like this "Um, Ihachi says the Gemara that's true that in principle it really is good by a non-Jewish court why if it's the combination of non-Jewish and not legally mandated it does not even have a whiff of a get since in principle done by a non-Jewish court is the same as done by a Jewish court so in principle it's kosher so if it's shalokedin it should still create enough of a problem of a rare haget because in principle, it really is totally kosher when it's Kedim. So the Gemara says, So that statement of ramacharsha is like foolishness. That's completely, that's absurd. Okay? If it's, if it's done under the auspices of a non-Jewish court, it's totally possible. Okay? So if that's true, if it's totally possible, it's done by a non-Jewish court, why is there a Re'a haget problem? Umatam, says the Gemara, um, the time of my kiddin the time of my. So then, why is done by a non-Jewish court? Is it possible? Is it does it create a reh get problem? If it's completely invalid, Kidin be k'din the Israel mikluf. Because if there's a legally binding mandate to give a get, so if it's do, even if it's done by a non-Jewish court, it's similar enough to a case that really works when there's a legal mandate done by a Jewish court. So therefore, since it's close enough to a case that really works it's a Re'a haget problem. Okay? And therefore, it's going to be a, even though halachically it's meaningless, it's going to be a problem for Kahuna. It's a Reah haget problem. Shalom Kedim B'chadim Di Lo But if it's a non-Jewish court and it's not legally mandated, it's two degrees removed from the case that works that halachically works, and therefore it's not a reichachet problem, right? It's like it's oh, look here, yeah, Michael, do the same the same picture, okay? So I guess I don't know. Maybe he already drew the chart, but it's very easy, right? Here's the case of light kedin, shalo kedin, right? Did Michael do this already yesterday? He
1: just did the beginning.
0: Israel. Goyim. Oh, you mean okay. That. okay? So, Kedim Shisrael, this is the only case that works. That's a really kosher get. Okay? This and this is one degree removed. Right? Because this has both criteria. This has only one. It has the Israel. This has only one. It has the Kedin. So, both of these are a Re'a Chaget problem. Because they're close enough to the real thing. Okay? This... Is nothing a few rea because it is so removed from the re- case that really does work? Yes, Charlie.
1: Uh, two things. One is Shainkels change the vote to prevent to Right.
0: Notice I wrote Golem there. Yep. Yes.
1: Yes, I did. Uh, second, this creates a situation: someone has an obligation to give a get. He wants to give a gift but he can't give a gift because some joyous court has interfered and no,
0: you can always give it on your own accord it just can't be forced by a non-Jewish court but, so he just says I'm doing it on my court sure, he just goes in and writes his own get. now this is only if it's being compelled it's against his will and they're beating him up until he does it this key word here is mu'useh Okay? Mm -hmm. Not under the auspices of, meaning he's being beat up under the auspices of the non-Jewish court. Okay? He's being compelled. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this, Abai askichai Rav Yosef. So, Abai Sandra Rav Yosef. Yosef v'kama'atza asagiti. He was going ahead and forcing husbands to give gitin who were obligated to do so. Okay? And he was using whatever types of uh, physical and other, uh, you know, um, um, uh, pressures or, uh, you know, um, leverages in order to make him do it. Um one minute. Okay. but what do you mean? We're just like uh, commoners. We we don't have the, the smicha that goes back to Moshe Rabbeinu hi Omer, aguriot, wherever you find like gatherings is what he says, of non Jews, non Jewish courts presumably. Israel, even though you have a non Jewish court system and even if the laws, the substance of the laws, are the same as Jewish laws, Yet you are not a allowed to uh, go to a non-Jewish court, even if it has the same substantive laws as a Jewish court. These are the laws that you shall place before them. Before the Jewish judges. You cannot submit to the authority of non-Jewish judges, right, even if the substance of the law is the same, it's a question of who is imposing the law, it's a question of who do you recognize as the legal authority, who do you recognize as empowered? And fundamentally we have to realize that it's the Jewish court's system that is empowered it's not just a question of the substance of the law okay which raises, of course fascinating questions about using a uh, contemporary uh you know uh you know secular law uh, courts nowadays which people do all the time and there's all these questions about what exactly the parameters of that are okay didn't stop you know people like when the uh were fighting over the rebbe's library or whatever you know <laughs> to be very from but if you're not winning your case you go to a jewish you know people wind up taking it to the secular, the secular court each other <laughs> mm-hmm. first. exactly yeah. anyway Okay okay now the thing that's more relevant for us is before them and not before commoners that in order to impose the law you have to have a smicha in order to be a baiting to impose the laws um, so therefore and if that's true in general by the laws there's a presumption that it's certainly true in the case of that the use of a uh, of force you know the, to, to authorize the court to use force you have to be really representing God have a real sense of being you know empowered Um, And that does not apply to a commoner. It only is that smicha that goes back to Moshe Rabbeinu. So, No, no, no. We represent the uh, court that has... uh, We're the uh, agents of the court that has the smicha. So the Gemara says... Um, the same way we can deal with normal cases about loans and admissions of debt so we can also uh, and we deal with those court cases we can deal with it also in cases of um, of forcing a get so the Gemara says so then why aren't we also empowered to deal with cases of personal injury or cases of theft as, as long as we can represent the basin with smicha so the Gemara says no no, no, no. We're only considered the agents of the court with smicha in common cases. But shricha not in non-common cases. Now, this creates an enormous amount of literature about when are we empowered to do din, you know, without having smicha. And first of all, there's just a question about the scope. If you look at Tosos, this gemara sounds like it does not apply to cases of theft and personal injury. Tosos says, nami, Tosos says, v'im tomar we know the Gemara says that they would deal with cases about theft and personal injury. Mm-hmm. So he tries to say, well, maybe this is only when both of them come together. So number one. The other thing, of course, is that there's a big difference between cases of personal injury which have an aspect of tenas Kinas is a form of punishment, a fine, monetary fine, monetary punishment. That's a little bit different than, than Hodas and havos loans and debts, which is more about just restitution. Of course, Gzeil is also about restitution. But anyway, there's a little bit of a difference when we're using our ability to punish, as opposed to when we're just sort of, you know, trying to set things uh, straight, to to create, you know, to, to to compensate and restitute, create restitution. That does not is not exactly brought in here, but it's brought in else a concept that we're not abasing uh, without smicha we, we don't do sh- their shlichus in a matter of knas only in a matter of mamon ok there's also it's also expressed that maybe we only do the shlichus when it's something that has chisar and kiss that somebody actually has suffered a loss but if it's not trying to restitute a loss then we would not. So there's all of this discussion about when are we empowered to do their shalichos. But what's particularly fascinating is that you would think that the one area that maybe should be the most problematic is forcing a get because it uses actual, you know, physical force, violence, right? And we're doing something that on the surface of it looks deeply problematic. Somebody is giving something against their will and we're saying it's valid. You would think that that could only be okay if it's done by a court, you know, that clearly has the right credentials, that clearly we could say, oh, well, if it's done under their auspices, then clearly it's okay, you know, that somehow frames it in the proper way. So it's a really big chiddish, you know, that this is, that that the Gemara felt that they were empowered enough to do that which maybe speaks about the need to address these types of cases you know which just even more so highlights the complete failure in Israel where they actually do have the power to do things to people and even without physical force throw him in jail and other types of things and they don't use it at all you know they completely sort of abdicate their responsibility there here the Gemara you know the most problematic thing the Gemara still felt it was empowered and it did it and not only that you know but it even describes it as milsa deshichah it's a kind Common case which is a sad commentary you know we've been learning get now for three months and we find out at the end that it's a common scenario that a husband is obligated to give a get and refuses to do so and we have to force him to do so you know and especially considering the reality is right now but a that this is described even in time of the Gemara as a common scenario Nothing you know this, no. yeah it's a real deep problem okay by the way Tosos raises an important question but if you look at Tosos um, two two very interesting things in this short little tosvos. The fact that we accept converts nowadays. Even though Geir requires three expert judges, like with Smicha, it's Mishpak So how, how do we do that? The same answer, we represent them, the court of Smicha, because that's considered common enough, which is pretty funny, because in the Middle Ages, let me tell you something, conversion to Judaism, was not common but maybe you could say it's a compelling enough reason okay, and it's clear from the Gemara there was evidence they would do it in Bavel even though they didn't have smicha how can we ever say we represent the basin? if there's a live court in Israel that has smicha we could be considered their deputies okay but nowadays nobody has smicha so Tosa says who is authorizing us, yeah, we're doing the agency of the early basin, the basin that no longer exists. Okay, so you got it. So that's a real stretch, right? Yeah. Here we are. We are agents of a court that is not around anymore. Okay, but we are seen as the continued empowered authority of an, some ancient court that had smicha. Very interesting idea, right? That on that basis, that empowers us to deal with a range of halachic cases. You know, a, a, you know, in the context of a basin Yes, not only
1: conversion rare, but for a Christian to convert to Judaism, Or Muslim to convert to Judaism, Muslim
0: country was a death Exactly, was punished by death. Absolutely. Which is why when some posts can write the laws of gayers, they have to say this is all just theoretical of course we don't accept gay nowadays it would be against the law etc. Et they have to give all these disclaimers. Okay let's take a look now at the next Mishnah. As if that wasn't a significant enough little Mishnah to drop off the end. We now look at the next case. Okay. If there's a rumor that a woman is married we have to treat her as married. And she cannot marry a different man that the rumor is not about unless she get to get from her
1: first
0: husband if there's a rumor she's divorced she's divorced now that doesn't mean that it's Lakula. oh there's a rumor she's divorced she can walk away from her husband without a get but it doesn't mean that she's married to a Kohen and there's a rumor that her husband divorced her then at least the simple sense of this Mishnah is we wouldn't let her stay with her husband the Kohen because we'd be concerned that she would actually be divorced so this is really problematic right because the A it means that we're, how much are we sort of impacting her status based on rumors and the second case is that we would act Actually, even if she would be married force her to get divorced at least in the first case it's just a question about she's not yet married or whatever don't um, you know, anyway so we'll have to see about that in the Gemara okay but that's only if there's no explanation you know no, nothing that sort of qualifies and, and contextualizes the rumor okay but if there's some you know explanation that this may, allows us to discount it you know or allows us to qualify it that would be a different story okay we'll see what that is in the Gemara oh actually in the Mishnah the rumor was there was a rumor that so-and-so divorced his wife, but it was said but he did it on a condition, so that doesn't count as a rumor that she's divorced, because we can just assume that the condition wasn't met or, or there was a rumor that she was married, but that was a question whether the money reached her or not okay, so that's a, already a question mark in the rumor, okay, there's a question whether the rumor, even according to the rumor it's not necessarily true, and in that case, is, that nullifies the rumor. All right, let's take a look at the Gemara. Now, the mission seems to be, you know, that's it. There's a rumor about a woman. We have to deal with the consequences. The Gemara, we will see, goes out of its way to n- n- to define the circumstances of this mission so narrowly that it almost doesn't exist. Okay? I mean, not all, maybe that's a little bit of an extreme, but it's really important because obviously this is tremendously consequential. How much are we going to destroy this poor woman's life because of a rumor? Right? So, the Gemara is really, really going to limit this. Let's take a look. Yeah, we had this earlier. Yes. Exactly. Yes. exactly, exactly. So the governor gavra, We make her forbidden to a man because there's a rumor that she's married to Rube, now she can't marry anybody else. Any rumor after the woman's been married, we do not uh, worry about it. Now, the first case is not that she, it's already been married. The first case is she was a single woman and there's a rumor she got married. But this is at least referring to the case that she's married to a Kohen. She's married to a Kohen and there's a rumor that she's divorced. So how are we going to now make her forbidden on her husband? Just because there's a rumor she's divorced? She can't continue to live with her husband the Cohen. According to Ravashi, if she's already married, we're not gonna deal with we're not gonna have her suffer as a result of that, to get it force her to get divorced so um, here's what it means um, no no only for a single woman there's a rumor that she's married to Ruvain we have to concern ourselves that she's married and she can't marry anybody else without a get from Ruvain however if the rumor was she got married to Ruvain and divorced from Ruvain then then she's considered divorced from Ruvain then obviously the rumor cancels itself out ok which obviously then is pretty obvious my timer why call emo. It's a rumor with its literally its receipt, its cancellation comes with it. All right. So that's we've already neutralized now half of the Mishnah. Now we're going to get to the first half of the Mishnah. I'm a Rav, Rav, Rav. If a woman there's a rumor that a woman is uh, you know is like a loose woman sleeping around we're not concerned with it now this is the case about a single woman so until now we think that a single woman based on the simple read of the Mishnah we are concerned about rumors now just because she's sleeping around how would that affect her halachic status well if she slept with a non-Jew for example it would make her usher to a Kohen that would be one example okay so we're not going to be concerned just because there's some people oh you yeah, see so and so she's such a whatever a prostitute she sleeps around this and that. No, we don't give that any weight my time up People are just seeing her act in ways that people consider to be a little loose. And once people see somebody act in ways that violate their sense of their standards of proper behavior, then they start just, you know, you know gossiping and libeling and slandering people, okay? Which is obviously as the more things, you know, change, the more they stay the same, right? So, you know, it could be a tiny little, you know, somebody a little bit, a little acting, uh, uh, you know, a little, like a little in ways that a little bit violate communal norms, and then people are going to start rumoring, oh, she's such a slut she sleeps around, and this and that. Okay, and it doesn't mean anything, it, it doesn't mean anything. Okay, uh, by the way, Rashi has two interesting, a range of what Preetzusa would be. If you look at Rashi, if you look at Rashi, Preetzusa Ba'amu is the last of the wide lines from the top. Either that he was was joking around with some men in the marketplace, Oh, Mi'echla Ben or there was some type of a sexual fondling with another man, so it's a, it's a little bit of a range there. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, big difference. Anyway, moving on. But the point is, it's no up. Big deal. That doesn't prove, you know, that doesn't prove anything. Okay. Kitanai. This is like a debate of tonight. Achra Bashuk, if they saw a woman eat in the marketplace. Oh, my God. Such loose behavior. Or Giyar Gura which actually means, was walking with an outstretched neck. Maybe she was walking, dressing in a way that maybe was gaining, getting some male attention. Okay. Hinika Bishuk, or she nursed her child in the marketplace. The Kulan Rebimei Omer say, Oh, she's got to get divorced from her husband. Clearly, she's sleeping around. Okay, so even if she's married, she has to get divorced. We so assume that she committed adultery. But the Akiva, no. No, no, no. We don't have to pay attention to it until the people that do the knitting in the sun, in the moon, the Yentas. Basically, that's the that's the literal translation of Mizores <laughs> Polvana. Until the Yentas start talking about her. Okay, so until you know, so of course, but still it gives a lot of trust to what the the rumor of Yentas. All right, so the people who knit in the moon. I'm Yochanan and all this which she'd have to get divorced from her husband. Finally comes a voice of uh, reasonableness from Rabbi Yochanan ben You're not going to let any woman stay married. You're going to give weight to rumors and force women to get divorced as a result. that Torah, Amra, a matter of nakedness was discovered. So two witnesses to establish something. Davar, davar, same word. davar, baraf Until there's evidence, you don't do anything. Now, that is if the woman is already married. Okay, the interesting thing is the Gemara... Is somehow using this to prove that if since you can't trust rumors to force a woman to get divorced from her husband you're not even going to trust the rumors even if she was a single woman for kahuna purposes which you might imagine that that might be a lower stat, a lower threshold okay so Toso says you know nevertheless once we see from this that you don't trust it and tosos actually says look here would be the case let's look at Tosos right how do you go, jump from this to the other Toso says um um Ah. Uh. If you look at Tosos, like the achlo b'shok, like the 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 last of the wide lines from the top, so kohen. So who in a yodeya b'mashia dibur Kodem, Yeshua la'asot. Tosfos says, imagine the following: Once we're sensitive to the consequences for the husband, we would have to be sensitive to it even before she was married. If you said a rumor that went out about a woman before she was married, we have to give weight to. So here, a guy comes, kohen comes to the city, he marries this woman, he. Was wasn't aware that a year ago people were spreading some rumor about this nice woman, okay, and he marries her, and then they find out afterwards oh, a year ago they were talking about the fact that she was so loose and this and this and this so if we gave weight to the rumors that came out before the marriage, he would maybe have to act on it now, even after he's married, okay, so it's still not 100% clear, you could still say once you're married, you stop worrying about things but before you're married, you have to worry about them but anyway, the Gemara, what you see is that the Gemara is very focused on minimizing the scope of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says you worry about these things, and the Gemara says, uh, no, you don't. Okay, even if, not only if she's married, do you not worry about it, even if she's single, we do not give weight to things like, oh, she's sleeping around, because people will say that under the smallest of circumstances. Now, part of it might have to do with what is the rumor, right? To say, oh, she got married, which is the rumor in the Mishnah, that might be have a little more weight than, oh, she's sleeping around. Because sadly, you know, people love gossip and they love salacious and they love whatever, imagining things. So sleep, people might say she's sleeping around when all they saw was behavior that just, you know, was like pritsu alma, So maybe that comments we completely discard. She's a single woman, they said she was sleeping around, we completely ignore that. But if they said she got married, like that's the case of the Mishnah, Maybe we pay attention to that, right? Because that maybe adds to something a little more substantive, a claim that she got married, right? So let's take a look at where the Gemara goes next, right? Everybody understand the difference between the content of those two rumors? Why one of them would be... Co- they're both before she's married. Are we coaching for a rumor that comes out not to make her divorce her husband, but in terms of she's a single woman, the consequences of a rumor for a single woman. So the Gemara completely dismissed the concern about a rumor that she's sleeping around, okay? Because people stomp say nasty things, okay? But how about a rumor that she's she got married. That might be a different type of a rumor. So let's take a look now at the next Gamara. Be'ula Buula choshimla. Again, about a single woman. There's a rumor that she's had sex. We're not concerned about it. Yesua choshimla. There's a rumor that she had got married Okay? We're not concerned about it. Against our Mishnah. Arusa in Chushimla. Even if there's a rumor that she does have Kiddushin, maybe you would say, you know, well, if she got married, that would have been a more public event. But how about a rumor that she just had Kiddushin, which can be a much more private event. So maybe the fact, maybe it is true, you know, and even though we don't know about it, maybe it is true. No, we're not concerned. We're not concerned about any of these rumors. Okay? Shalom Laploni in Chushimla. Or there's a rumor that she got married, but they don't name the person that she's supposed to have been married. To. We don't concern ourselves with it. Okay? The Or it got married in another city. Now, if all these cases we're not concerned about, which states are we concerned about? So Rashi says, we're only concerned, I mean, it's going to be clear in a minute, but Rashi says, we're only concerned if the rumor is she got married today in this city to this person. Mm-hmm. But anything that is not in the city, yeah. you don't identify a person, or you don't say it happened today, if you say it happened in the past. We're not concerned about it. It has to be a rumor, right? Who knows what stories you're making up about the past. It has to be a rumor that's like right now, right today, where people, like the fact that people are talking about it today, you know, gives it some, some basis that maybe they're telling the truth. Okay? a rumor? I mean, you know. Well, nobody... It's
1: just under a
0: yeah, but you have, to, you have to see somebody who can directly testify to seeing it, yeah. right? So if somebody directly testifies, it's not a rumor. But that's exactly the point. If they're saying today there's enough ways to get to the bottom of it, yeah. that it gives some weight to the fact that they're talking about we it. We okay? see him
1: at the wedding this morning. No,
0: that wouldn't be a rumor. Okay, <laughs> that would that would be a fact. Okay, um, now. Okay. Uh, now, where are we? Um, okay. No, no, no. Okay. Hold Mamzeres um, in there's a rumor that she's a Mamzeres, we're not concerned about it. Shivcha E'n Or That she's a shivcha. These are all just nasty rumors. He ploning the chasav. He's kept ploning the Let's say you say he sanctified his property or he made them... He, he, he renounced ownership over them. E'n You don't have to be concerned about the status of the property. Okay. Anyway, the kids of rumors are nothing. So what do you do with our Mishnah? So our Mishnah is only going to be in the most, most narrow of cases, even the case of marriage, not even just the case about sleeping around. So let's see what the case is of our Mishnah. Okay, Amar Ula Lo Kol Kohavara, the case of the Mishnah is not just that they heard an echo, you've got to love it, an echo, right? It means one person says to another person, says to another person, right? It's not just that you heard an echo, what would be the case of our Mishnah? And look, today, and not just that it's Stam, a voice in a void, okay, it's also like the image of an echo, it's just like a voice in, you know, a disembodied voice, it has to be rooted in something. Basically, there is all this circumstantial evidence that she got married. They're lighting candles. They're spreading out the you know the spreads on the couches. Okay? You know, there's a big caterer's truck that's pulled up to the hall. Okay? People are going in and out of the hall. Oh, someone's getting married today. In that case, only with those circumstances, you see how the Gemara completely radically narrowed, narrowed the Mishnah. Only with all of this evidence. And even this, the Gemara is not going to let this stand. Because all they said is she's going to get married today. She's getting married today. So the Gemara says, um uh, the deal So what do you mean? So, um, I'm sorry, she's going to get married. Maybe she didn't get married. Okay, all you have evidence is that the wedding was planned. Maybe it got called off at the last minute. So, oh, they have to say, no, 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 so-and-so got married today. Oh, did you hear? So-and-so got married. So now, of course, if two people come and say, we directly saw it, two men and witnesses, and we saw that she got married, that's not a rumor. But this is so close to that case, right? Everybody in the town saw them setting up the chuppah, saw the van, saw that whole thing. People were talking about how she got married. So that's the case we're concerned about, even if we didn't hear directly from somebody who witnessed it. But anything falls short of that, even if you say it happened yesterday, that's not good. Okay, that's not a rumor to be concerned about. Okay, that's what Levi taught. Not just an echo, Lor Haneiyan, women are knitting by the by the candlelight. For Smechosla, everybody is rejoicing. They're sitting around on her little by her little throne there. For almost Ploni Smiskadesh as a so and so is getting married today. Smiskadesh is getting married. For Dimalo Yikachem, maybe it didn't happen. So the Gemara says she got married this is going to sound a little repetitive okay not an echo it's sounding like an echo right now and people coming in and out if they said this thing meaning they said that she's got married that would be a call if they didn't say it then it's an amatla then it's like an excuse or you know an excuse Explanation that nullifies the calls. So the Gemara says. What do you mean? Uh, if, what do you mean it's an explanation? If they didn't say it, then, 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 then they didn't say it. They didn't say anything. So the Ma'ar says, Lo Amru, what if they didn't say the, that so-and-so got married, the Amru, they didn't say anything. What do you mean, the Lo clum, what do you mean it's an Amatla, it's an explanation? If they didn't say anything, you don't even start with a problem. No, no, no. So the Ma'ar says, what they mean is that the Amatla comes right away and it immediately neutralizes the statement. So it's as if they said nothing, but Ra'fu came to Ra'ba'ba Ra'funa, to exclude the position of Rabbi Barfuna, the Amr He says you could have an explanation, even if you had all of this stuff with the candles and whatnot, and then 10 days later there was some explanation about why she didn't actually get married, that would actually neutralize it even much later, even with all of this circumstantial evidence. So we're rejecting that. Kamash Milan lo amru hudahavye amatla only if the amatla comes right away at the same time and it effectively neutralizes the statement from the get-go that's an amatla ha amru but if the statement got established and then the explanation came later lo have amatla it's not so here the Gemara is very very narrow the cases where we're concerned about the rumor there has to be all this circumstantial evidence you have to hear people talking about how they were at the chuppah itself right not just that she's planned Planning on getting married, but somehow it falls a little bit short of direct testimony. But there's all this circumstantial evidence. So, in that case, you're choshish for the rumor. And in that case, we could have a discussion would an amatla neutralize the rumor if it came much later? Or does it, with all that circumstantial evidence, maybe the amatla has to come on the day itself. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Um, okay it's not just that they heard this again this disembodied voice that it's not rooted in anything no no you're saying that you heard that so and so got married where did you hear it from oh you heard it from so and so where did you he hear it from so you get back to the original source of the rumor and you get back till you actually establish the matter so the Gemara says if it's a clear matter, it is mal Then you got back to the people who saw the event itself. Then it's not a rumor. Then you actually have the testimony. So, Eluk he also Rav Smor Bar Yehuda, Marav Yabba, Marav Luna, Marav Kolavara. No, you didn't hear just a disembodied voice, meaning it's not established. Eloch Adin Shiyomer Ploni Mehechan Shama, Meploni, Meploni, Meploni. The Halachu Lemleidin Dinas Hayam. That you get back and you say, we know who the people were that actually witnessed the event. They're just not here right now to testify. They're overseas, okay? But you actually have gotten to the point where you have identified explicitly who the witnesses are. It's not just, oh, well, I heard, I heard, I heard, I heard. Who actually witnessed it? So if we know who witnessed it, but we can't ask them, that already is enough of a question. But anything short of that would not. Now, how does this fit with the earlier Gemara that says you didn't have to dig down and that talked about all the circumstantial evidence? Satosa says these are two different tracks. Okay, there's two that a rumor gets established and creates a problem one is all of the circumstantial evidence even without digging down where did you hear where did you hear where did you hear okay if people saw the uh, catering van and they saw the whole thing and there's a lot of schmoozing going on then without even digging down that creates a, 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 a rumor that creates a concern or there's not all the circumstantial evidence but you actually have identified the people who are supposed to have seen it themselves okay you can't ask them but you identified them so one or the other. The circumstantial evidence without knowing who directly witnessed it, or knowing who is supposed to have directly witnessed it. Those are the two approaches. Okay, now the Gemara says like this. Something that we've seen before. Okay, this is what creates a rumor to be a problem. Rav Yosef If there's a rumor going around, should we try to stamp it out or not? Now this could be similar to the question before: When are we chosesh for a call? But this is a little bit more proactive. When do we, as a based in, try to stop get people to stop talking about it? Now you would think Mike, you know, I mean, why shouldn't we? It's just creating problems. But you know, as uh, again, Rabbi Weiss is very wont to say: The only difference between reality and perception is that it's easier to change reality. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> you know, so it could be like you know, we, we we better not get involved in trying to dispel rumors. It's just going to get us in we don't have to be concerned about it but maybe we don't proactively dispel them so this is the question that Abayi asked Rav Yosef since Rav Chizda says that it's only a rumor if you heard it testified by kosher Edim, now of course um, if, kosher, if, you, if kosher Edim are testifying they saw it itself, it's not a rumor it's Edos, so Rav says it means kosher Edim are testifying that they heard from other kosher Edim that, who saw it directly, again this place where they're not—it's it's, you know—it's hearsay, but at least you heard it from kosher Adem at least one degree removed. So anyway, only in very narrow cases are we concerned about it. So since in general we're only concerned about rumors in very narrow cases, as the whole previous discussion made clear. That shows that we basically do not give weight to rumors, and therefore, if we don't give weight to rumors, we would obviously try to dispel them. Amalei, he said back to him, no, other the opposite. Roshashis disagrees with Roshashis, and Roshashis says, that even if the rumor is being uh, spread by women and not kosher which it's, it's something that we have to be concerned about. Again, assuming some of the parameters before, that there was the circumstantial evidence, or they saw it, that Eidim saw it, but they're not around to ask them, but the fact that that we're willing to have a, it's not as narrowly defined as you think, the circumstances. It means that we are a little bit more concerned for rumors and we're not going to proactively go ahead and try to dispel them. Maybe there's some substance there. You know, maybe if there's smoke, there's fire. Who knows? You know what? It's a debate based on Different regions. In Surah, they proactively try to dispel rumors. In Narda, they don't. Which is uh, Sh- uh, Shmuel, right? Shmuel is Narda, Rav is Surah. Or did I get that reversed? I think I got that right. Okay. Um, so the verse says like this. Um, so there was a rumor about a certain person who got married, Labar Bey Rav, to a yeshiva student. Asi was just rumor. So brought the girl's father in. tell me what the story was. he said to him, Al tonight kaddish." No no, he married her on a condition. I died to on the condition that uh, I would not go to this place. Went, so therefore, in the end it was, it was a condition, and it was no good. even to be Lohavi since this explanation was not at the time of the rumor we're not believed to take this explanation to nullify the rumor. So this is the question about an explanation that comes after the rumor is established. With the explanation, right, that there was a debate, there's an explanation that comes later, can that null- neutralize the rumor? Okay, presumably this was a rumor that was established, it was the circumstantial evidence, right, or it was based on the testimony that there were witnesses who weren't around to testify. So it was an established rumor. And the explanation that came later, wasn't because it was a later explanation, was not enough to neutralize it
1: okay yes I don't understand that case in other words who who, um, did did the students uh, mention the condition
0: no the student presumably they weren't talking to they were talking to the girl's father because it was the girls whose status would now be affected
1: but I mean that's the the mitigating mitigating. the mitigating
0: circumstances is is
1: that the
0: father said that it was all done on a condition nobody was at the marriage if somebody was at the marriage it wouldn't have been a rumor Nobody was direct, nobody, nobody can testify to what there's no, we don 't know what happened at the marriage, then it wouldn 't have been a rumor then it would have been direct testimony I see. right so there's just stories going around that she got married I see. okay all right, so the says. Who did not think There was a woman that there was a rumor that she got married. The atsifa the Tukhwa with some type of a uh, like of of a uh, date like uh, Rashi basically says uh, like some uh, um, you know unripe dates the, uh, uh, that like the the remnants of unripe dates. The ena de beishifa by the uh, wellspring of this place beishifa. So it was very specific, right? I guess the rumor. we have to be concerned about this or? Or can we nullify this rumor? even if normally we don't nullify rumors, here we will nullify it. Why? People say, No, they checked out these dates, and the dates weren't a Shavah pruta." Which means, but what's funny is that the Gemara doesn't tell us but why did they actually, why was it not a legitimate rumor? Okay? Meaning, it sounds like, oh, people will explain based on this reason, but what's the real reason you're nullifying it? So maybe well, the real reason you're nullifying it is, is that it just wasn't established well enough, right? Remember we discussed before that a rumor is really only a halachic problem if there's all of this circumstantial evidence or it goes back to people, some claim that there were actually two specific witnesses there. So in a case where you don't have those two, one of those two circumstances, so it, we're not concerned about about it. But do we proactively work? So still people are just saying, Oh, she got married. But it's not on the same day, there wasn't all the circumstantial evidence. Do we try to dispel it? So the mother thing here, well you know what? if there's enough of the specifics of the rumor that if we try to dispel it we'll be, it'll be effective our effective dispelling it because even the people who are saying it happened, if everybody's saying it happened and we're going to say no, no, no it's all false it didn't happen like that's going to be counterproductive it's just going to discredit us okay but if even according to their rumor we can, you know they'll have a way of it oh well it must have been yeah I was always wondering it was a weird case it must be that they really didn't whatever so we can be effective and it won't discredit us, then we're actually going to dispel it. Okay? So there, we need certain amount of, of a threshold to be concerned about it, circumstantial evidence or claim of edus. And even if that threshold is not met, however, and the rumor we're not for it, that doesn't mean that we're going to proactively try to dispel it. That might just get us in trouble. Okay? But if there's a reason that we could be effective, then we would try to dispel it. That we think we will be effective. Okay, so let's take another case. Who do not have so there was a woman that a rumor went out that she was married to one of the sons of a certain person besides which that we said you know if you're not it's a rumor it's not about a specific person it's not a concern okay but again this isn't enough of a concern but we want to know if we are going to actively dispel it if in general we don't try to dispel uh, a rumor here we do the rabbis no because since they don't know which guy she married and presumably one of this guy's sons is a minor so people will say oh okay we only knew it was one of the sons, so it probably was the, was the kid, one who was a kid and that's why it wasn't good so if there's a way that even within people's perceptions and within the rumor we can like work with that and be effective to nullify it then we will but to directly go against their perceptions we're not going to try to do that. Okay. Um, okay. Um, There's a certain woman who there was a rumor that she got married to a kid, but this kid was physically big. He was much, you know, he was like six feet and he was husky or whatever uh, at the age of 12 so, maybe we won't be able to be a vato the call, because maybe even if we say he was a minor, right, people, the perception is, right, It goes against between reality and perception, which is what this is all about. He looks like a goggle, but he's really a katan, right, it's a nice little metaphor for the whole reality and perception. So maybe we won't be effective, because people will still think he's a gadol, and therefore we shouldn't work to nullify it. Okay, no, 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 there's a case like that, and people said, you know, it wasn't even at the stage of pagut Reuven, what does that mean? It's quoting a pasuk. To the sort of step this is going about Shivat, you know, the why Reuven set themselves apart and didn't go to war. One has to deeply be astounded; requires great investigation. But the way it's being read is, is that when somebody gets to a certain age of maturity, the uh, intellectual Gdolim that if you're an adult, your 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 maturity of understanding is very different. Which Which means that even if somebody physically looks like a big person, okay, it's obvious to people that the kid is a minor because they can tell that they're acting in immature ways. Mm. So if somebody, it looked like they got married to an adult, we would still work to dispel the rumor because we would think that we could be effective because people would understand that the kid was a minor because they would still identify the fact that he acted in immature ways and they would get it that he was a minor. Okay? So here's the question, even if we're not going to be concerned about the call, are we going to? proactively work to dispel it because it might be completely ineffective and it'll just discredit us but in cases where we might be effective we would do it. Okay, let's go a little bit further. So as we saw before, in cases that the rumor is established, which we've now limited severely, even in those cases, it could be counteracted if there's an explanation. So, Amar Abba yamin, even if it came much later, ten days later. He says um, that in a place for an Amatla, now actually, okay, so first of all, here he says even ten days later, but before the Gemara said, no, no, it has to be on the same day ok but the Gemara didn't, is not quoting that opinion here again if you read the Gemara how the Gemara constantly is working to not have to worry about rumors ok so first only when it's very well established now how far, when it is well established can you deal, you know you have a explanation does that neutralize it so before we recorded a debate of if the explanation has to come on the same day or can it even come later here we're only quoting the position if the explanation comes late even if the explanation comes later it's okay not only are we only quoting that opinion and ignoring the one that says it has to come on the same day we're even giving a, another explanation that says that you, another interpretation that says you don't even need an explanation you just need there to be the possibility of an explanation right in theory I could say that, that maybe there's an explanation about what happened you don't even need anybody to claim it you just need that as a hypothetical possibility okay so you get how the Gemara is working to consist Limit, right? So A, even if it came ten days later. And Ravzid says in a place where an Amatla is possible, You have to be concerned. Here You know, the possibility of an Amatla is enough to neutralize the rumor. Mm-hmm. A see, Rav Papa asked asked Ravzvid. the Dimishman says that But it's only neutralized when there is an Amatla. So he said, No, I'm away the come out. No, it means means there has to be a possibility of an amatla. Um I'm Rav Khan, Rav Papa's Rav Khan said to Rav Papa. That Lotisbra, don't you agree that a possibility of an explanation is enough? the that if a woman got married on the testimony of one aid that her husband died remember that from Yevamos, and then her husband came back but he and she only got kiddushin only betrothed she hadn't yet lived with the other guy then she can go back to her first husband now why is this meaning the so command understands why is it in general that if she gets married to the second guy and she's been living with him can she not go back to her first husband because it looks like she got divorced from her, her first husband, married a second guy, and then got remarried to the first one, which is Machzik Roshasa, which is Aser. Mm-hmm. So that's why, according to this, we don't let her go back to the first husband when he shows up alive. So why do we allow it if he only got Kedushin, only got betrothed to the second guy? So... Um, it must be because we say, no, because people will come up with an explanation. They'll say, you know what? It's not like you got married to the second guy and, got, and went back to the first guy. It was all done on a T'nai. So you see that when an explanation is possible, we'll just read an explanation into it. Presumably they wouldn't say it's T'nai once there's Nisuin. You might remember that after Nisuin in general, we don't assume that there are T'naiim after they've actually have been living together. But before living together... Kiddush, it's just kiddush and tanoim are possible so you see we let her go back to the first guy because people will presume an explanation so you see we're willing to presume an explanation Then somebody says no. no 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 there it's not just because there's a possible explanation it's because the husband has shown up and the husband is yelling and screaming and saying, I never divorced her. I was always alive. She was my wife. So that reality is partly what a, uh, you know, pushes us to acknowledge the true circumstances of the case okay and that's why you don't need an explicit amatla the possibility is enough so the Gemara says if that's true so if the husband is yelling and screaming and giving the real story so why, let's, let's let her get that back to her husband even if they had even if they've been living together the Gemara says no once she got married and now she Violating. She's I mean she's unwittingly violating, she's sleeping with a man who isn't her husband, but nevertheless she is violating, so then there are going to be consequences. But before she's been sleeping with the other guy and she's not violating, there are not going to be consequences, okay? So the Gemara here says that that case is special, the husband is yelling and screaming, but in general what we are now left with is, number one, that the cases that we're concerned about rumor are very, very limited and require real circumstantial evidence. Number two, when they're not around, we might actually actually proactively work to nullify them especially if we can be effective and number three an explanation neutralizes it and there are three versions of how an explanation can neutralize one is it has to be only on the day itself but at this stage the ignored that, that and said no an explanation can come even much later and then it's gone even further to suggest that maybe you don't even need an explanation maybe you only need the possibility of an explanation to neutralize it so the is really working very hard to limit the effect that rumors can have on somebody's status, and tomorrow when we uh, finish the Masechah, we will see the end of this uh, discussion. We go on. Uh, I don't.